Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the first episode of 2020 finally. It has been a crazy past couple of months with job changes, holidays, and heading over to the US for COIST and DIA. Uh, I've also been quite busy working on some companies that I've co-founded called Foresight Dental and CPD Junkie here in Australia. While I love challenging myself and pushing to create value for young dentists, it does take a lot of time and time commitment to get these projects off the ground, and I do feel like I've neglected the podcast a little bit. What means a lot to me, though, is that I've been getting messages coming in from around the world on Instagram from young dentists who listen to the podcast, you know, to and from work, and these messages of how much value they're getting out of the podcast and how much they're enjoying the podcast really means a lot to me and really gives me the motivation to keep going with the podcast and keep on growing it around the world. I also want to thank Henry Shine Australia for supporting the podcast over the past six months. And I'm very excited to be announcing a new sponsor for the podcast in the coming weeks. This week's interview was recorded an embarrassingly long time ago, but nonetheless, it is with two of my good friends who have had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know over the past several months uh, on various interviews that we've done together. And I also had the opportunity to meet them in person at DIA a few months ago, which was great. I am, of course, talking about Dr. Davey Allman and Dr. Ryan Nolan. Both these gentlemen are exceptionally bright individuals, and for me, it was just fun to facilitate a discussion between these guys on this interview. We cover a lot of topics, including approaches to restorative dentistry, future of restorative materials, role of mouthwashes in caries control, and much, much more. I hope you guys enjoy this interview, and my promise is that these interviews and episodes will be returning on a more regular interval with some amazing guests coming up over the next few weeks. And as always, if you have been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to share it with your friends, colleagues, and classmates. And if you've got some time, if you could head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating and a review, it would also help me a lot in expanding the audience for the podcast. Without further delay, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Davey Allman and Dr. Ryan Nolan. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. Can you hear me, guys? I can hear you. Yeah. Ryan, can you hear us? We can't hear you. Yeah, we can't hear you, Ryan. Can you hear me? There we go. Yeah, it's working now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. All right. How's how's the experimenting? Oh, gosh. I ended up turning on the heater anyways at the end (laughs) of the day. I I was actually kind of funny, but yeah. No, I had to, I had to do something, uh, last second. So it didn't end up, I, I wasn't expecting to have to do it. So it ended up taking a little longer than I thought. So I apologize. But yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. So how's it going boys? Very good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on on the eve of, uh, 
Canada beat US in soccer yesterday for the first time in like 35 years. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard heard that. I saw that on my Twitter feed. Yeah. As a Canadian, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, as an American, <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> I as, 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 as American, you don't care, care much. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good year for Canada. We are you know NBA champions, US Open women's champions. Now we got soccer. I think the whole country's got its uh, confidence back. So that's good. Yeah, we're rolling. It's good, good, good. Okay, so what are we debating here today? So I thought about this for a while, and I was thinking to myself, I don't know if there's much I can debate Davey on. There's really not a lot. Like we, we as time has gone on and our friendship has evolved, uh, we we disagree on less and less things. It seems to be going in that direction. But um, you know, one of the things. So I, I will say this right as a preface. So like one of the things that was really, really cool was like, I got to go to a um, uh, biomedics conference. Um, you know, Davey was talking and then his dad, and then I'm pretty, it was a uh, Della Perry as well. Right. Davey, right. he came out. Yes. So these are all very, very knowledgeable guys. Right. I mean, you, everybody knows Davey posts on Instagram and everything like that. But I think, I think there's a lot of people who get the wrong impression about like biomedics and they think it's like, oh, well, um, you know, it's, it's got to be this way or it's this way. And what was really cool to see is when I got there, um, there was people that were really heavy on the ceramics. There's people that were more uh, in the composite zone. So there's all this like medley of different ideas. And uh, I found it fascinating because um, you don't always get to see that, um, you know, all different ideas in one room, but also... Um, I never really felt like uncomfortable or like, you know, my ideas were wrong and I'd ask random people questions and sit next to random people. And, and it was great. And I got to see one of my professors from school. Um, you kind of introduced me to biomimetics. Um, but these guys are, are good guys and they do good dentistry. And uh, yeah. I just think if anybody, you know, despite what we might debate or, or disagree on um, if anybody uh, is, if anybody's worth their salt, if you disagree with something, go to these guys lectures and if you come out and you learn nothing, then, then you're just, you've just died to dogma, right? Like, <laughs> and you can't, you know, a lot of the things we might disagree in nuanced stuff. And I don't think it's everybody's um, not everybody's going to agree or disagree, but I think that, you know, to forecast, like, you know, these guys are great dentists and they really care about the outcome. So I, I just wanted to say that before we get into any of this. Dave, you want to preface anything before we, before we get heated here? <laughs> I just really wish that Ryan's like headset with his fancy lights was actually giving us some good audio. That's the only. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I think I think he's mining some Bitcoin. It's uh, taking up his bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree with the, bad, with Ryan that many of the uh, misunderstandings with biomimetic dentistry um, can be easily resolved through. Uh, dissecting the literature so that way it's not just a, a matter of well in my hands uh, this technique works works well but if we you know look at independent researchers and you know Ryan uh, knows that side of um, the dental field you know better than most that you want to be able to standardize variables and once those variables are uh, standardized you can compare and contrast and figure out if that if one uh, specific technique or product uh, performs better 
consistently across uh, across the board. Totally, totally agree. I'll just I'll just chime in here. I think one of the really cool things, um, and one of the things that you know I I agree with like um, with you on is is uh, I think this idea that um, standardization and being able to look at products consistently um, and trying to eliminate variables which cause trouble. Um, I think that's the majority of what I really took home from it. I didn't take home going from these lectures. Uh, I didn't take home. If you don't do it this way, you're a bad dentist. I took home. If you look at the process, the reason why the system works is because we take this, this, this into account. Here's the literature. And I buy into that because that's, that's my world, right? I, I don't practice as much as Davey does. Um, I, I practice for five years, three and a half of which was full time. So I don't have, um, I'm not going to say I'm like the expert clinical dentist, but I do read a lot of literature and I do look for consistency. Um, and like, even one of the things that you'll probably agree, Davey is like, dude, I only use SE prime and bond. I use QRA products. And the reason is, is because they have some of the best research available. And, and I look at, I look at that and I look at what I want for my patients. And I look at, I look at the fact that it's not debonding and, and what's obviously my experience is maybe not as high as some of these other guys, but um, I still have enough experience to say, look, you know, when I use this other system, it debonded, I didn't get the best result. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I like those products. And so we all have that niche. But anyways, point is, is I do like, yeah, standardization matters, right? Okay. So let me just, you know, obviously you guys are both academics and into reading papers. So I'm just trying to be here and represent the layperson, the average dentist who's just like, what are these guys talking about? So overarching all this, you know, adhesive dentistry, we, we do this every day, every filling we do, any bonding of brackets, anything, most of the stuff that we do, we're bonding things. What is the alternative like dogma to biomimetic dentistry? Like what's the counter philosophy that's out there right now like what's the name of it like i don't know it like is there something that's like combating biomimetics just mechanical uh retention form or resistance form that's placed in a prep anytime you have to remove more tooth structure to retain a restoration i would say that that goes directly against um, that of biomimetic dentistry so if if a dentist is cutting teeth down for crowns regularly yeah. then I would say that that is not a biomimetic approach. Even if they're doing really well-bonded um, Emacs crowns, uh, the biomechanics of the crown and the underlying uh, preparation won't have the same uh, uh, biomechanical uh, properties of the intact tooth. And if we can preserve more of the tooth structure, especially in the cervical third of the, of the tooth of the preparation, then as the tooth is under function and it's bending and flexing, it mimics uh, the natural dentition. Totally. I, I, I'll chime in too. Um, I think one of the things is uh, as, I, as I practiced more and more, I did less crowns. So um, one of the things, um, I, I've replaced crowns in the last two years, but I didn't do a single crown in the last two years. And it's not because I'm a biomimetic dentist. I'm not going to claim that. It's because what I started realizing is that if I could prep things more conservatively and do like onlays or, um, you know, really, really well done composites, I noticed that they were lasting. I noticed they didn't have issues. And um, it made me kind of question 
um, whether or not I needed a crown for every case, right? And and I think a lot of dentists are going to end up in this circuit of, well, insurance isn't going to cover it. And that's a really sad thing. Um, yeah. And that's a separate issue. And I'm sure that everybody has their own opinion on it. But I mean, outside of biomimetics, I was doing the same thing for the last two years, uh, which which is I wasn't really prepping any crowns. I would replace crowns that failed, but I'm not like actively seeking to reduce the tooth structure um, if it's not necessary. And you know what? I might have had a patient population that was, you know, different than some people. So I don't want to say, you know, I'm better than you because I didn't do that. But I think as you evolve in your career, if you see things that are, uh, you feel like are better in your hands or, or, you know, I mean, we, we talk about the average dentist a lot, but like, um, the average dentist might not feel comfortable prepping an online. I mean, they're more difficult to do. Um, the retention form and the temporization is more difficult to do. There's a million factors, right? But anyways, I just figured I'd say yeah. that. No, and I think just, you know, I think when I first graduated, I was working just visually, it was, it was hard for me to see like why you would do a crown. Like if a tooth has like a large MOD on it and like, a, you know, mesial buckle cusp fractures off, there's like so much tooth that you got to cut away just to put like a cap yeah. on top of that. So I was just like, in my mind, I was like, how does this make sense that I got to remove so much tooth just to get like a, like a crown on here where I can just reduce a little bit, just pop something in or just fill that corner that's broken off. So I think that, that overall old school versus like modern dentistry is like the big debate then. And there's mm-hmm. not much arguments for the old school because you see all these old amalgams with all these like fractured cra- the cracks and fractured cusps and everything around it. And you don't see it as much with the composites. Well, here's the thing, right? And, and I, I, I know that there's differing opinions on this. So, I mean, call me out if I say something stupid, but I, I will say this. The one thing I think we can learn from amalgams, they do, they do doom the ship the second you put them in, in the sense that eventually they will fracture the tooth, right? Mm-hmm. Or they'll fail or have some issues. But the thing that we can take from amalgam that I think is an underrated quality is that if you look at amalgams, they do last a long time. Yeah. Okay. On average. But the problem is, is obviously the fracture, um, you know, obviously they fracture and, and when that happens, it can be catastrophic. But I think the one thing to take home is that the reason why they last a long time is not because they have ideal marginal integrity. Every dentist will tell you, Oh, there's huge gaps. You take an SEM or, or microscope to amalgam margin. It's really crap. The one thing that we're working on right now, our research group is looking at how we can incorporate nano nanotechnology into different, um, you know, composites and bonding systems and things of that nature. Because if you look at amalgam, which is a metal, right? It is, it is hugely antimicrobial and we think that's a big component. But anyways, I, I, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that's come up, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, what is the antibiomimetics, I feel like there's been a really big clash um, with bulk fill versus uh, strategic layering. Right. Yeah. And I think we should get into that because there's a lot of people that are still, I'm, I made a story the other day. I know you guys probably saw it, but I made a story kind of, you know, poking at both sides um, but I think, I think one of the things that people are really concerned about is, um, okay, well, what system works or whatever, but I think maybe, maybe the best way to break it down is to look at the pros and cons. I know Davey knows a lot about this too. Yeah. So I think that's a Dave, great let, point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with, uh, with your assessment, uh, Ryan, that amalgam has done a lot of good for dentistry over the last, you know, hundred years. Right. I would much rather be repl- uh, fixing a tooth that has had a large failing amalgam than replacing a failed PFM. Right. 
because you still have more tooth structure. Uh, and you can see that with uh, the amalgam, it's, it's never the amalgam that fails very rarely, but right. it's the surrounding tooth structure. Right. So oftentimes when you're dealing with resins, it's not so much a problem with um, the tooth failing, but oftentimes it's some of the shortcomings of the, the resin material. And right. so I think that is a perfect segue when you're talking about bulk fill materials versus uh, a conventional layering. And so uh, the big misunderstanding with most clinicians when they opt to use a bulk fill material is that they have a poor understanding of polymerization and how bonds take time to develop. So anytime you're gluing something, it takes a certain period of time for a bond or an adhesive system to fully develop before it reaches its maximum strength. And so anytime that you're using a material that shrinks or polymerizes, that stress can be strong enough to either weaken the yeah. adhesive interface or delaminate in a, in a bad situation. And with bulk fill uh, technologies that are coming out, a lot of them, in order to decrease the polymerization stress, what they do is they decrease the modulus of elasticity or the stiffness of the material. And so if you have a, a lower modulus, let's say even if it, if it bonds well under function, uh, you're basically chewing on a marshmallow and will eventually, um, the bond will fatigue at a, an accelerated rate because it's not mimicking the two structure that was once, uh, once there. Right. And I, I'll just, I'll just say this too. I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. And that's, and that's, but here's, here's where a lot of people I think are getting confused. Depth of cure, like part of the reason why when you make composite, right? So when composites made and you're, and you're adjusting the modulus of elasticity, which is what Davey's talking about, yeah, you can improve the depth of cure. So you can get it to four millimeters, but guess what? One of the downsides of that is your bond strength on average for a bulk fill is not going to be as high. Right. Yeah. So you're going to decrease your bond strength as a result of that. Um, and then on top of it, you know, when you look at a bulk fill versus a conventional composite material, um, you know, it changes the density. You'll notice when you're playing with it, some of these feel like very um, like the viscosity is a lot different. Um, and so I think that a lot of people, when we look at the bulk fill situation, right. And I know there's people out there looking at this and saying, well, look, you know, my layering didn't look as good as, you know, my bulk fill. So I think they're looking at it purely from um, or more so from a marginal integrity point of view yeah. and not so much as some of these other factors like there's C factor, there's your bond strength, there's all these other things. Right. And I think one of the things that we really do have to point out um, is uh, user experience and um, how talented you are with your hands and how many times you've done it make a huge difference. I, I, if you told me to layer something as a dental student versus right now, my, my dental student comparison would look garbage compared to what I could do now. Just because I've done it so many times and I know what to look for. And, and, and I don't know, maybe Davey, you weigh in on that. I think that's where people are getting a little confused 
is just because you increase one property, it, it sometimes comes at the cost of another, right? Exactly. So, so Ryan, you deal with um, sizes of particles on a daily basis, correct? That's correct. Okay. So, you know, let's just start with something that's, you know, very big, you know, how many millimeters are in a centimeter? Uh, 10, right? 10. Okay. So, uh, how many millimeters are you from the pull from the, like a cable surface? Seven, seven, about seven. Mm -hmm. So in our mind, you know, millimeter is kind of where, you know, we get a little bit, oh, you know, that's a small, small area. But when we think about gaps or cracks underneath a, a restoration, yeah, we're talking about microns. And right. So what's the size of a bacteria? It can, it can be a micron, but it can go sub-micron as well. Exactly. So <clears throat> what we're looking at uh, when we're looking at gaps, it's actually invisible to the naked eye. Right. You can di- so you could do a nice... Uh, you know, injection molded, uh, bulk fill restoration. You can, uh, take a, a, a saw to it and then you can say, look, there's no, uh, gaps or cracks. But if you do a dye penetration study and leave it, you know, for a period of time, you could actually see what the, uh, micro leakage would be, uh, in terms of microns rather than, um, millimeters and so if there's a layered composite but it's well bonded to the and so there's no gap between the adhesive and the dentin interface you wouldn't have any um staining in into the margin like uh, moving axially but you might be able to see some defects or uh, air bubbles between uh the layer um, the different layers and so the question is you know, where is the real important area as far as keeping a tooth sealed? Is it uh, the dentin adhesive interface or is it between your layers of composite? Dentin adhesive interface, 100%. Exactly. You, you know, bacteria between two layers of um, composite, that's not going to create uh, a decayed lesion. No. I'll never, re- I'll never forget this. Uh, I was a fourth-year dental student and a couple of my classmates went down to the Dominican Republic to uh, take out a bunch of teeth. I mean, you might've had some classmates that did that, Ryan. Yep. But anyway, they met some, uh, some, some students from UCLA and they were, you know, talking and during the, the week of uh, dental experience. And, you know, they were really concerned about these gaps and between layers of composite. And so one of my classmates, when he came back from the Dominican Republic, he was saying, Hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't layer composites because, you know, we might be able to start getting decay between our layers. (laughs) And it took everything for me not to just like laugh (laughs) because, you know, if there's nothing for, you know, bacteria to attack, attack, I mean, okay. So let me, before, before we lose the audience here, let me uh, summarize a few things. I think one of the great points you mentioned about bulk fills is perhaps the general, the average dentist is not, is misunderstanding why bulk fill may be limited because we are thinking from depth of cure perspective of 
okay, if I'm if I'm packing like five mils, four mils of composite, maybe the deeper layer is not getting cured properly. So that's maybe like one of the reasons why the average person is like, mm, maybe it's not the best idea to do that. But the real issue with it, as you're saying, uh, both of you are actually agreeing on is that it's not the depth of here because we can work around that and the composites have improved to allow that, but it's more so that the shrinkage of that much bulk of composite is going to pull on the bond and you're going to get some delamination or debonding at the important junction of where the composite meets the dentin and the tooth. So I think that's the main issue there. The other question I have about bulk fills though, from a practicality standpoint and from, you know, always working with insurance, especially with you guys in the U S with the fees reducing and stuff, people want to work a little bit faster, but, the people who want to work faster, but also be conscientious of like the work that they're doing. How, how bad is it actually to do that? Uh, what in innovations are coming to allow bulk fill and how can we, you know, work a little bit faster than saying they're doing like incremental millimeter increments. Um, so, also like not do a disastrous thing for the patient, but do something that's acceptable. And so the first thing you need to do is uh, become very familiar with the research from Ollie Sauter from the university of Washington who did multiple OCT scans of various bulk fills with um, various uh, adhesives. And in two millimeter preps with a good adhesive, the bond was strong enough to stay, um, stay sealed. Uh, with bad adhesives with, you know, very popular universal adhesive, yeah. We've talked about this before, Omid. <laughs> and, and another uh, adhesive. But anyways, even at a two millimeter uh, depth, it shows in real time the delamination. And so if you're going to use a bulk fill material, you have to use a good adhesive. Yeah. Now, I don't think that that's still a great strategy because that same group of researchers also showed uh, – these OCT scans at four millimeter preps. And that's what, you know, every bulk fill manufacturer, you know, claims and says, you know, at four millimeters, you know, we get the depth of cure that you can just, you know, bulk fill and that the shrinkage stress is, you know, X, uh, X amount. But with those scans at four millimeters of a four millimeter prep compared to a two millimeter prep, even with a good adhesive like SE bond, um, in this case it was SE bond two, it still had delamination at the four millimeter mark with uh, every bulk fill material except for one, and that was uh, bulk easy. But bulk easy is not really a bulk fill composite in a traditional sense. It's actually a chemical cure. Uh, composite and so the gel point of the polymerization stress is so much delayed that the bond was able to withstand that stress and so if a, bo if a bond is strong enough to withstand the stress then you will have um, adhesive success but if the stress is higher than the early bond you will have delamination and so if you are using a bulk fill material you should never use it as a four millimeter increment. I would still recommend to use it as a one or two millimeter increment, but still understand that you will have some issues with the lower modulus and um, some of the drawbacks of that. So, 
And what are your guys' thoughts on flowables, like the newer, like, you know, the uh, genial universal or genial injectable or genial flow? Um, because like an in indications for those, they say you can do class twos, you can do class ones, like smaller ones. What, like I find flowables as like a material much easier to use, obviously, because it's so much easier to adapt it and get it into the floor of the box and stuff in your class twos. How do those hold up as a non, even if you do like a base of, the universal injectable or something and then cover it with composite afterwards. Like what, what about that kind of sequencing? I might take this one, Davey, just, just because, okay. So here's what I, I like flowables as like my initial layer. Like I like bonding yeah. to flowable. Um, however, um, what I noticed as I was doing more and more work, and this is more from experience than literature. So just take this for what it's worth. I noticed that um, when I was prepping my class two specifically, um, if, if I even had a slight little angulation out, that corner was not getting filled at the bottom of the base of the class two. Yeah. So by fixing my prep style, uh, I was able to use a lot less flowable. I don't like flowable as much as some people. And the reason why is because I notice if you use it for class ones or occlusally too much, um, it, it, they'll chip and break cause they don't have the same microfill. Um, you know, I think the max is 65% and I like, I like to think a lot of them are sub 30, so they don't have the same fill capacity. And I feel like you don't end up, they're pretty, but they don't end up being as, uh, resistant to occlusal wear. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I do, I do like them for layering the, the first base after I do my, my bond, but, um, I mean, even getting back to like these, this bulk fill, I don't think, I don't necessarily think bulk fill is bad in the sense that like, look, if you're a dentist and you have a limited amount of time and you know, you're just trying to do the best for your patient and, and maybe, maybe you suck at layering. Let's be honest. Some people, the average dentist doesn't have good hands. I'm just going to say it like, it's just true. So the, but that doesn't mean you can't get better. But the point is, is in some situations where you have limited time because you have isolation issues or there's some other component that you're looking at, as long as you're willing to say to yourself, I know that this isn't going to be what is going to be potentially the best. However, the clinical scenario tells me that this is going to be the best for this situation, full well knowing the pros and cons, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is people coming out and saying, hey, this is better. This is the only thing I'm ever going to use. If you don't do it, you're a bad dentist. But anyways, the whole thing revolves back around to looking at the literature, itemizing how you do your preps. I think the prep is actually the most important part. If you're poor at prep design, it doesn't matter how good your technique is. You're going to have failures, right? I don't know what you think about that, Davey, but let me know. I mean, I think uh, prep and um, technique is... I mean, every step that you're on is the most important step, you know, up at, until it fails. Right. <laughs> you know, at that, at that point, there's a lot of ways to, yeah. um, to screw up, but I definitely agree with your assessment that as long as you have good information about your approach and know the pros and cons, then at least that's a starting point as far as a, a discussion. Right. So for instance, you know, I am a very, when I drive, I don't like to wear a seatbelt. And I think seatbelt laws, seatbelt laws are a violation of my uh, freedom. 
But I would be an idiot to say that seatbelts don't save lives. Right. Anytime that I drive without a seatbelt that I'm potentially risking my life. But as long as I can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I've lived a good life. (laughs) It's time to take out a life insurance policy on Davey when he moves back to Utah. Um, But it's, we'll start a fund on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are all invited to my funeral. Oh, sweet. Thank goodness. It'll be a closed casket. Uh, <laughs> we don't get to examine your teeth before you before you go and see if um, everything held up. Yeah. <laughs> but with uh, with those drawbacks, you should you should also discuss that with you know with the patient that look, this is what you know the insurance is willing to um, cover. This is not. This is a compromise as far as restoring, if you're okay with that, we can, we can proceed. Um, I mean, the worst situation is in the Netherlands where the state controls the pricing Yeah, and you, yeah. Can, you can only charge a maximum of 120 or 140 euros for a resin um, composite. And so it doesn't matter how good of a job you do compared to the next guy, you're getting paid the exact same. There is no uh, market to, to distinguish uh, value in that, in that extreme case of socialized uh, care. That, just, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the second that you start going anti-capitalism, uh, you, you lose the gradations of quality, right? Oh, exactly. And, you know, anybody that's, you know, worked in the Netherlands or known a dentist in the Netherlands, uh, you know, the really good dentists, they do dentistry for other reasons than um, finances. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you can also have some some severe burnout. Uh, a really good researcher named Nick Opdam uh, out of the Netherlands, who's done some really good studies as far as comparing uh, composite resins to uh, closed sandwich techniques and uh, amalgams versus composites uh, for a meta-analysis. But anyways, if you talk to him, you know, he's, you know, very jaded and you can tell that he's been abused by, you know, this this system that has descent, uh, disincentivized, uh, you know, maybe top-tier uh, uh, composite composite work but yeah you know he still came to the conclusion that uh composites uh outlasted you know amalgams over a a nine-year nine-year span but that's the tricky thing i think this is a problem around the world because you know with dentistry moved from amalgam dentistry to way more technique sensitive composite adhesive dentistry sure. and the fees haven't really changed to like reflect that at all and if anything they've gone the other way they've gone less and less yeah. as the markets got more competitive so when you like compare that to like some medical fields like ophthalmology and stuff where they're doing elastic lasik surgery you just take them an hour now it takes them like 15 minutes thanks to technological advancement so those guys are just having a great time making good money and they're doing good work but dentistry has gone the opposite technology's like got harder like it's harder to do good dentistry fees have gone down and that's why i think that it's just, it's a tough situation because I don't know how, because a patient education is not there 
and the patients don't value it necessarily enough to be like, okay, I'll sit here for double the amount of time. I'll pay double the money, three times the money for this filling to last like X amount of years longer. So I think it's a really challenging thing that we're going to face in our, our career span of how, how we're going to keep up is either the composite technology going to get that much better that we can just bulk fill everything and it's just going to be good and like really at acceptable levels or well they've been trying to do this for uh, 20 years yeah uh, it's not going to happen omit it's it's like gravity you can't <laughs> i i'll overcome it <laughs> i'll weigh in on this yes the nano I, man let's do it i do think that things are going to get better but as far as what davy's talking about which is modulus elasticity depth of cure things like this right yeah. I think I think it will get better, but I think it's going to be slow progression. And I think the reason why is because even when I've looked at design systems, look, I think that the problem is is that there's always a compromise. You're always going to have to compromise one thing for the other. We're not at the point where we can make this material magically uh, auto transform and auto cure without a a downside. We can't we can't get all the marginal integrity we want and also have no leakage like there's just no um you know there's no perfect system right yeah. so we have to go off the literature and we have to you know continue to push ourselves and it's funny um I, i've talked to dentists who are much much older than me and you know they always and these guys worked on amalgams and pfms and they go gosh you guys have it hard because not only is the fees the the fees suck but you have to be twice as good just to get the same result right yeah. and 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 you have to learn i mean look i feel like i don't know about you guys i feel like the systems that are out there multiply by the day you now a lot of them are similar but it's like it's hard to even have a, a conversation about stuff because everybody's using a different system and so it's like yeah, the it's consistency of it yeah it's like it's like if everybody in their house had a different plugin oh well hey can i charge my iphone oh no uh, i have this weird plugin no yeah. seriously and so it makes the conversations difficult and I think that's where a lot of misunderstanding comes in is because people are like, well, I've used my system for X amount of time and it works really well. And that's great. But if you talk to a dentist down the road, they might ha be using the same material, but maybe their bond's different or maybe the way they isolate is different or maybe they don't disclose a certain way or maybe. So the point is, is I think the reason why I do like biomimetics is like they're going for a standardized model and i'm not saying that it's necessarily always right but i think that the fact that they're willing to say hey look we looked at all the research and these are the current factors that are stacking up i i like that because i'm i'm a logistics guy so i don't i don't necessarily care about how you feel about it or hey this doc did it this way and and he told me to do it i don't care the second you say well this doc told me to do it this way you if you can't explain to me why you're going to do it you failed me as a dentist because I don't know why. And that's yeah. the bigger problem, that's you know, at play. And I think before, before uh, David jump in, um, I think that's a huge problem with social media right now too, because you'll see someone on Instagram doing something a certain way and you're like, Oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just try that without necessarily a you know, literature backing or thorough understanding of why they've done certain things. I think there's like that lack of depth of understanding in a lot of people nowadays. And that's a big problem. Uh, I totally agree. And so uh, one thing that we've really tried to stress when we um, discuss biomimetic dentistry is a certain level of standardization as far as terminology and explaining why certain techniques or certain materials have success. And the the crux of it comes down to 
stress reduction. So in order to adhesively restore with, with predictability, you need to understand that bonds take time to mature. And the only way to increase your, your bond strength is by actually decreasing the stress and strain in the tooth and restoration complex. And so when you look at somebody who says, uh, biomimetic dentistry can only be done with an indirect approach. And because of, you know, X uh, success, and you would say, well, let's boil this down. Why are you having success? You know, are you doing immediate dent and sealing? What are your carriage removal endpoints? What are your crack uh, protocols? And if they're doing certain strategies, you can say, yes, the indirect approach will have the maximum amount of stress reduction and the minimum, the, the least amount of strain on the residual two structure. And because of this high bond strength and low stress and strain, the tooth and the restoration act as one. Now, other uh, biomimetic dentists will say we need to take a, a direct approach with uh, composite resins because they uh, mimic uh, the modulus of elasticity of, of dentin and the toughness of dentin is something that is, you know, very desirable. But if they don't understand how to talk about polymerization stress and um, post-gel shrinkage, then it's really hard to say how good of a technique it is. And so if they don't understand fiber placement, layering protocols, and curing protocols, then their results will be quite different than the other guy that's down the street that's also doing a lot of uh, composite resins but not having the same successes as that other person. And the person that's doing multiple layers with fiber placement, like Simone Della Perry, they will have high bond strengths in in their uh, composite restoration but they also understand that the high bond strength and the polymerization of that material will have uh, potentially the drawback of higher strain in the residual two structure. Um, this may not be clinically relevant, and that's why the success rates are similar to those of the, that prefer a ceramic or an indirect approach. Um, but as far as the standardization of how do we maximize bonds, and how do we decrease the stresses? That is really the the common denominator between true biomimetic dentists. And it was funny is like, you know, like when I went to the biomimetic conference, so I had a certain impression about what it was from Instagram. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of, there's a couple of pretty, um, you know, dominating theories, right? I know that there's the biorim, there's DME, so that's deep marginal elevation. There's a couple of these other things. And I feel like they're they're almost over-focused on because there's a lot of aspects of biomimetic dentistry that get missed because everybody talks about one or two things. And it's it's like it's like uh, it's like ha- being a politician and having really a lot of important policies and everybody focuses on one policy and you miss the rest of the value that comes out of the equation. So when I went to this uh, conference, it was interesting because I sat next to a gentleman who he's mo- mainly ceramics. And then I also sat next to a gentleman who only did, you know, like a lot of composite. But I think there's even more. Um, I think if you if you paint something with one brush and you say, oh, well, blue is blue is blue, but then you actually realize, oh, blue is actually a combination of these 
you know, this color, this color, this color, this color, um, you'll actually start to realize, okay, this isn't a necessarily a dogma. This is people trying to figure it out, trying to make it better. And not everybody even agrees, but the point is, is everybody cared about a lot of these other core factors, which everyone agreed upon. And so I think what happens is when we get on Instagram and we start, you know, levying uh, stones at each other, right? I think we miss a lot of that valuable information from the literature because everybody focuses on one thing they hate, right? And it's just, it, it kind of grinds my gears a bit because you have to be open-minded on both sides, but you have to be open-minded to get better. That's, that's all I'm saying. I think that's a big point. I think, especially with dentistry, because we work in a room by ourselves all day, we, we tend to over time be like, okay, this is the way it's done and, and it works for me. And we lose sight of what the you know more current trends are, what people are doing, what people are innovating and stuff like that. So I think it's important to, like you said, stay involved, you know, going to these courses and lectures and stuff to see the broad view of what's going on, what people are trying and have that debate. And like anything else in life, you know, the more open-minded and more like growth mindset you have of, okay, what I think to be true may not necessarily be true, then, then you'll go further in life. So I think that's the point. So David, what, what's like the upcoming trends? Like, what do you think like in five years time, biomimetic dentistry will be like around, you know, new grads coming as they're being taught in schools right now. Like what's like, what do you, where do you see biomimetic dentistry going in the next few years? Uh, the only dental school that is, that I would consider um, fully biomimetic, you know, maybe in the world is probably the university of Geneva in, uh, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where Pascal Magne and uh, Diviadici and Ivo Kretschke uh, have come come out of. But basically, they require their students to not cut any teeth down for crowns. Mm-hmm. And maybe the closest dental school in the United States is the University of Southern California, USC. Um, but as far as you know, trends in the next five years, what you will see is more validation from the conclusions that uh, people like my father, Pascal Magne, Simone Della Ferri, uh, DDA Dici have come that um, there is less need to cut teeth down for uh, full coverage for retention, but an adhesive approach uh, can be more than more than adequate and more than sufficient um for instance uh when my dad teaches he teaches out of uh, 27 articles as kind of the the keystone fabrication of basically the the foundation foundational principles of biomimetic dentistry and if you understand those 27 articles uh then you can basically understand the research that's coming out and what the research is coming out doesn't necessarily contradict what was said, but rather it just validates many of the the conclusions as far as um, layering will have a higher bond strength than, than a bulk fill. A use of a gold standard adhesive that separates chemistry will perform better than a simplified adhesive. Yeah. Uh, an indirect restoration will have less uh, stress and strain than a simple, a simplified direct technique. And so when I, when we see a lot of good papers that have come out in the last 10 years, you know, me and my dad will just 
kind of talk and we'll just say, well, that just validates the paper that was uh, written seven years ago that nobody even knows exists. Okay. So you're saying it's just this getting a more proven track record now. More time is passing and the principles are just being proven and, and verified over time. Exactly. In the early 2000s, you didn't know how well this was going to perform. Um, now in 2019, it's kind of like, well, the early adopters were really glad that they early adopted and everybody else that's trying to play catch up, you know, they can try and fake it that, oh yeah, I've been doing, uh, doing this. But you just ask them some simple questions and typically you can find uh, find some of the errors in their, uh, in their approach. Okay, that's interesting. And Ryan, what about you? I know you're obviously your, your perspective and what you're working on is more material development and, and innovation and things like that. Where do you think materials will go in the next you know, five, 10 years? Is it just you know, incremental innovation on compasses like you were saying? Or do you think they'll just, is there something new that can come up? Or is it just technology getting better and using ceramics more like readily, like in-house, like milling or 3D printing or things? Where do you think like stuff like that's going to be in the next you know, five, 10 years? Well, what we're really trying to focus on is we're trying to add like anti-caries components to existing. So we, so we don't, we don't think that we can make, uh, we don't think that we can make the properties of composite better currently. We, we are focusing on making the properties of composite more antimicrobial so that we can mimic like amalgam or gold in terms of resistance to microbes slipping through. Um, so one of the things is uh, that, that you don't get with a composite necessarily that you would get with a metal restoration or um, is that metals don't let um, microbes sit on them without dying. I mean, there's a reason why in hospitals for a long time, they had brass doorknobs um, because they self inoculate, or I should say they, you know, they don't have back. If you put your dirty hand on them within three hours, 90% of that bacteria is going to die. Right. So bacteria don't like living on metal surfaces. And so there's also this idea too, that, um, you know, enamel has a certain charge density to it and it's always project projecting a certain charge around itself. And as that enamel gets weakened, it loses that charge and it allows microbes to more readily attach. So we think where improvements can be made is by simply altering a small, small amount of the composite mixture with nanotechnology. Um, and again, we're talking parts per million. So this isn't even really that high. Basically, we just want to make sure that if we can improve the antimicrobial aspects of composite and, you know, have an anti-caries effect, um, we're pursuing that direction over trying to make the cure better or trying to make the, you know, we don't think that that's a, a we think there might be incremental changes there, but we don't think we're going to be the ones to do it. It's, it's like, it's like kind of like what Davey said. It's like, if you comp, if you do something to improve one thing, you might compromise it. So yeah. we're trying to make the least amount of alteration as, as possible, but still apply some of these other um, concepts. As far as, you know, CAD cam and 3d printing, that's only going to get better and better and better. Um, but just like with anything that's new, you know, we're going to go through phases where everyone's going to think, oh, this is the next greatest thing. And then five years later, all those crowns and, and onlays are going to crack. And like, we've all been there, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had things fail on me where I thought it was the best material. And then three years in, I replaced like 20 of them. And it's like, oh, this sucks. So the point is, is I think things for materials are going to get better, but I don't think it's going to be the way that people think it's going to get better. You're yeah. still going to have to deal with a lot of technique sensitivity. Um, 
but we're hoping that the nanotechnology aspects and improvements uh, will help um, basically reduce certain aspects which make restorations fail, which is like biofilm and plaque attachment and calcium release and things like that. So that's the direction we're going. Um, but again, you know, I, I also agree that like the least amount of tooth structure you have to remove, um, we want to focus on getting the lifespan of these materials up. And part of that lifespan is um, certain patients aren't going to clean their hygiene might suck. Yeah. And so we, if we can improve the material such that it has more antimicrobial capacity, um, I think that's, that's where we're going to see the that's improvements in the next five years. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And, you know, it's not often that you get a chance to sit down with such uh, smart people. So, you know, just to get hypothetical a little bit, what, what about the, you know, with remineralization and things like that, is there much coming that's going to be like radically different to like even avoid some of these like, you know, simple class ones or, you know, these like class two days, just getting into the dentin layer that we can actually like remin and try and avoid actually cutting teeth or? Yes. So we are actually on the forefront of basically proving a, age-old concept. It's not really age-old, but basically one of the things that has always bugged me. Um, so again, I'm not anti-fluoride, but flu so fluoride works in, in vitro, but what you'll notice in vivo, it doesn't do as good of a job. And the reason why is because there's a lot of biofilm blocking the ent entrance into um, getting onto tooth structure. Yeah. So there was a couple of studies that were done 2018, 2019, where these guys actually sat down and they said, if I give somebody 20,000 parts per million of fluoride, or even a thousand parts per million of fluoride, how much actually gets through to the other side? And it was like two, three, 4%. It was ugly, the numbers, right? Yeah. So, so really what we want to focus on is how do we get a better delivery system in vivo to match what's actually happening in vitro. And what, what we're finding is, is that um, cations, so metals, right, are actually just as effective, if not more effective at remineralizing tooth structure as a anion like fluoride. So we think that the nanotechnology is going to be able to um, help prevent a lot of different um, caries aspects and, and demineralization and help to substitute the lattice such that it improves not only the acid resistance, but also the antimicrobial aspects and things of that nature. So we have a study coming out, um, probably should be done in a month or two. We did a bunch of samples um, and we tested a standard sodium fluoride against our, you know, our Alimenta, it's our flagship product. And we're seeing some pretty phenomenal early results. Can't tell you what they are just yet, but we think that there's better ways um, to make remineralization happen. I also have a paper. I think I sent it to Davey. He probably hasn't read it. Um, he's too busy. But uh, it, it outlines like, so just like how biomimetics has all these different things they take into account. Remineralization has a bunch of different factors that go into it. You know, pH, ionic strength. Um, the kind of salts that you use, what's the activity effects. There's all these different chemical properties that make a big difference in prevention and also yeah. increasing and optimizing formulas. So look, just as a comp just like any company, we're trying to optimize our formulations to make them the best that we can, but we think we have the most cutting edge um, technology to do that. Um, I'm a bit biased. I mean, I'll just admit <laughs> I'm biased. Uh, you can laugh at me if you want, but uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, um, when, when my partner and I actually ended up going down this route, we really looked at all these factors and we really compiled them and, and yeah. looked at all the research. So we're, we're just trying to make more standardized ways um, and, and frankly, better ways 
to remineralize tooth structure so that you don't even end up having to decide whether you want this restoration or that restoration. And I feel like, I feel like the biggest problem I have that I can't mentally get around dentists are so concerned about the output of their outcomes for their patients that we've left prevention to the wolves. And when I say the wolves, I mean charlatans. And when I say charlatans, I mean people who literally have no business talking prevention, not accredited with anything. Don't do research. Oh yeah. If you just take this coconut oil, you're going to be fine and dandy. It's like, dude, there's no research supporting this. Like, so anyways, I, I get frustrated because I just like David gets frustrated. Yeah. I think the massive problem with that and that's all of healthcare is the compensation model is just completely broken. Right. So if, if we were somehow rewarded or awarded for preventing disease rather than just like fixing shit up all the time, because that's the same thing with healthcare. Like, you know, no one talks about like diet. No one talks about exercise. It's just like, okay, what do you have? What can I give you to fix it? And then that's how the whole system just works all the time. So on a larger scale, yes, it'd be nice if we can just prevent all disease and like all is fine. Day. Right. All we can worry about is like a little bit of whitening and veneers. And, like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. But, but you uh, can aim for it. Yeah, you can aim for it. But yeah. the problem is at the same time, a lot of dentists would be like, well, how else would I have income? Then? Like, right. Always- you, you're not going to lose income. There's always going to be somebody. There's always <laughs> bad dentistry to fix. And <laughs> That's right. Dave, it's, not like, it's not like sugar isn't addicting, right, Ryan? Hey, Davey, can I, can I plug you for a product review over here? What, what's your favorite mouthwash? You know, what are you using these days? You know, what's, what's, what's the deal? Well, sure. My favorite mouthwash is Listerine. Oh my God. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I'm not Red kidding. Bull or uh, Mountain Dew. Get out Actually, of here. Uh, uh, kind of a little backstory with with Ryan. Every once in a while, I would get a post. I'd put a post a couple of years ago, and I'd get this guy that kind of, would kind of, you know, just try and troll me a little bit. And I didn't really know who this Ryan Nolan guy was, um, but obviously he, he thought he was very smart, and I thought I was very smart. And so, <laughs> you know, have these long philosophical discussions. Uh, but when, but when I first heard Ryan on your podcast, Omid, I knew that he was taking an approach that was more scientific than less scientific, especially with this idea of mouth, uh, mouth rinses, because all of us know that mouth rinses promise the world and provide us nothing. We've all seen people that get, you know, topical fluoride treatment with promises of preventing cavities in every year they come back with more uh, decalcif- decalcification. And so this idea that possibly we need to take a different approach and with some of the introduction that I've had to silver diamine fluoride uh, as far as an antimicrobial uh, element and also some of the studies from Cuba comparing that to topical fluoride as far as uh, reducing carious lesions, even though it makes the teeth turn black, uh, which is unideal if you live in a modern society. But as far as its effectiveness, it was way better than yeah. uh, what everybody promotes as far as, you know, fluoride this, fluoride that. But when he's talking about nano silver particles, you know, it, per- it perked my ears. And I also knew that he also went through an extensive literature review uh, before he even decided to develop a, a product. And, you know, so 
I became very interested in what, you know, Ryan had to say. I would never tell him in person because I don't want his ego to start. <laughs> I'll, I'll mute him right now so he doesn't hear this. <laughs> but anyway, every time that, you know, I would drink a, a soda pop, you know, or he would hear that I was eating some gummy bears or something, he'd be like, oh, I really need to send your, your mouth rinse. And I'm just like trying to be, play it cool and say, you know what? Sure, I'd love for you to. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say I really need your mouth rinse, yeah. uh, but in the back of my mind, it's like Ryan, you promised me this mouth rinse, you know, three months ago. Where is it? I'm still waiting on mine, by the I, way. I'm, I'm still drinking a lot of Mountain Dew. Uh, but anyways, one thing that I really found very interesting with my own personal use with with Elementa was. Um, I found that some of the biofilm that was very tricky for me to remove with just a toothbrush and, and floss on the uh, cervical third of the linguals of my lower, uh, lower molars, uh, all of a sudden after, you know, using the mouth rinse for a couple of days, you know, that amount of uh, plaque that was adhering to the tooth and to the cuff of the, um, the gum tissue was just quite a bit less. And if somebody who drinks a lot of acid and eats a lot of sugar, uh, could have that kind of result. It really was very encouraging for me as far as, um, you know, what he was saying isn't necessarily just a bunch of hot air. And so, um, you know, I just had a cleaning just recently and the hygienist was very impressed with how little plaque there was. And so, <laughs> I mean, as far as, as, far as the awesome. flavors, they all taste like uh, sucking on a quarter, but <laughs> whatever, whatever. That'll, that'll come with time. Uh, I would probably say the mint is, uh, the mint is my favorite. The cinnamon is also very good. I've got a signed bottle of, of cinnamon <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll never open because I don't want the, you should do a limited uh, on release. the value you do stay, yeah. stay very high. Is that a good enough? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take it, man. I, I think it's, I think, I think it's funny too. Like, so we have all these like products coming out and, and I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I was expecting more pushback from the dental community, but a lot of people are very receptive. Um, especially after they try the product, right. They're like, Oh, like I actually noticed a difference. And, and I've been telling people for a long time, like, look, you know, you don't have to have X, Y, Z in your, your products in order for things to work. And in fact, we want to shift the conversation back in this direction. And, and my hope with Elementa, if we do anything, is to get the big boys to say, oh shit, maybe we've been doing this the wrong way. And if I can convince them that, then I'm happy. It's not, it's not to make a, bit, a billion dollars, right? Be awesome to make money. Doesn't hurt though. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't hurt, but that's not the, that's not what we started the company for. We yeah. started it because we really cared about outcomes and, you know, we want our patients just like how you want your restorations to look good. We want our patients to actually get a result. And, you know, when, when just like how Davey's saying, Oh, well now the research for this is being validated. We just had a study that came out literally uh, 2019. So a month ago, saying a six week trial of nano silver compared to chlorhexidine and they were comparable. So, so now you're using less, it's not as toxic, toxic. you know, you're, you're looking at the actual end result and, um, and, and you're just seeing these things come out and it's like, Oh man, like we were right. And I'm so happy. But again, it's not about, it's not about ego. It's, it's just about, can we make it better? And, and when people, you know, I've had people who are like, oh, well, I've used this product for forever. And I go, look, I'm not going to try and tell you, you know, 
I'm not going to try and convince you. I'm, I'm not a salesman. All I'm going to say is look at the studies, look at the papers, look at what we're releasing. And if you don't think that we've made significant changes and after trying, you don't like it, that's fine. Like we just, we just want to, we just kind of want to try and make things better. That's, that's our, that's our approach. But yeah, I appreciate the endorsement, Davey. I'm, well, I'm going to record well, it. Ryan, if, you, if there's anything that you know about me is that, um, I only say things if I really believe in a product. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get an endorsement from. I've been waiting for a year. I, I keep plugging him with this. I'll tell you what though, Davey sticks by, sticks by his, his guns because I did offer him a lifetime supply of Elementa. If he just said, if he just said bad things about Carrie's detector and he was unwilling to do so. I so never, I would never do it. I'd rather take the $12 bottle at Whole Foods. Well, so we know that Davey sticks by his, his morals and that's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe he'll have a chance to win a lifetime supply at some point, but it's, uh, it looks, it looks like, you know, that opportunity is drying out, but he is moving back to Utah in October, right? Right, Davy? Yeah, so? I'll, I'll see you at the end of the at the end of the month. So when I drive up, I'll price. He'll he'll get some free bottles anyways. Omid, I feel bad because you're in Australia and we haven't released our. We're we're going to Australia, but we're not there yet. And yeah, you I'm were waiting, in Canada. I'm waiting, but well, I know. I'll in bring December, some, some me to uh, to DIA and I'll grab some from you there. I'll try it out. There you go. There you go. So yeah, it's, it's look, it's going. And then we're, they don't we're have doing sugar in Australia. They just have like uh, Vegemite. So oh. they don't have, the, yeah, we don't have a high fructose corn syrup. We use actual sugar. So it's good. Hey man, if look, look, I, I just, I just think the thing is, is like at the end of the day, you know, we all want to do our best for our patients and we all want to, you know, try and improve things. And I think if everybody took that perspective and just zoomed out for a second and said, Hey, look, People are trying to make it better. Let's forget the dogma. Let's forget this or that item. You know, if, if, if I see a dentist or a dental student or whatever trying to do better, I'm happy about it. So, I mean, as long as people are open to new ideas because things are, you know, are changing, you know, that makes, that makes me happy. So the fact that I got Davey to, you know, try my product and, you know, it's funny because I tell people, I'm like, some of my best buddies I get from disagreements. I don't get them necessarily just because I agree with everything they say, but like, it's funny because like our, our friendship has grown because we disagreed on certain things and then we end up talking more and then we realize we have a lot more in common than you probably think, you know, that's the best way for sure. And I think it's yeah. cool. I think that's true. I mean, I, I respect both of you guys, obviously, because for the level of you know, work that you do, but also because you're both, you know, pretty entrepreneurial, especially with the projects and stuff that you're working on, Ryan and starting your own company and the stuff that we kind of you know delved into a little bit deeper on the previous podcast but uh it's super cool to see how it's evolving how it's coming along and how the products are kind of you know getting to the shelf now getting used and and hopefully you know as the things grow and then you get your uh, your big payday as well you keep us in mind <laughs> <laughs> i you know he messaged me a couple of years ago we're talking about nanoparticles david i'm like ryan let me just invest like give me like 0.1 percent of a share yeah yeah Give me one hey, <laughs> guys, guys, the We're ground right. floor is gone. But <laughs> insider trading. Tell you what, man, right? I'll, I'll tell you what, Davey, you get me some biomimetic endorsements. We'll talk, man. Yeah. We'll talk. You <laughs> might, you might get on the ship. You never know. Yeah. Like, I'll throw you a life, lifeboat. Yeah. Well, lucky for, lucky for you. I'm, I'm almost famous in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> 
one day I, I hope to be ghost famous. I hope, I hope to be like semi-famous in you know, in the field of dentistry, but then like I go to the grocery store and no one knows who I am. Like I'm happy with that. You know? Yeah. You won't have that but problem. I'll, There's not much, not much crossover yeah. between dentistry and uh, yeah, popular yeah. media, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't, I don't post like, I, I don't post like a lot of cases. So I feel like I, I kind of struggle on keeping people's attention because, but I don't care. I don't care if people follow me or don't, but the point is, is like, you know, when you see, when you see the guys like Davey who are like posting these amazing looking cases, you know, it's, it's just so easy to click and follow. I mean, I, I even like looking at him and I'm actually harder on him than some people. I'll actually message him and say, ah, oh, what, what if you did this differently? I'm sure it annoys them, but I don't yeah. really care. You know, <laughs> it's it's how our friendship continues to blossom. Is that's right? Is if, is if I get a a DM from Ryan that says, "Well, did you think about this?" and and I say, "Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> I was just glad to get a couple of pictures <laughs> taken. Yeah. dude, dentistry is hard, man. Uh, let's just all agree on this: dentistry is hard. Very it's not easy. It doesn't get easier. When I see these deep decay cases that Davey takes on, God bless you, man. God bless you. Lord's work over there, man. Excellent some, implants. Yeah. Some people, I mean, they jump to implants or whatever, but it's like, dude, the fact that you can save these teeth, think about the patient, right? The patient's benefiting so much from that. And so not everybody's going to be able to do that because of insurance or because of ideology or because of a number of reasons. But look, the guy's doing the best he can. He's doing good work. Um, I'd be happy to have any of the work. I'll probably go see him when he's in, when he's in town, you know, try him out, take him first. And I got some, I got some old, I got some old composites that are, are, aren't looking as hot as they use. Yeah. yeah, we'll take some pictures and then I'll let you uh, post them and you can claim them as your own <laughs> for your fame, Ryan. <laughs> hey man, I don't I don't look, I don't need that, okay? I don't I don't need any I don't need your all all I want, Omid, okay? All I want is for this to be the number one downloaded episode of your podcast so that I can claim that I gave Davey a chance to come back. From what what spot are you number six six no well, well my number, original number, was still, was still number one but the second uh, interview dropped down to number oh, six man. I think slipped I think on the right you know, if we do a few more interviews I got to rename the show the Davy Almond show and then then we'll be good to go <laughs> listen listen I've I've held a steady rank nine okay I don't I don't want to brag <laughs> top, okay. top ten is nothing to it's nothing to. I feel like if we get these two two names on there, I I I mean we gotta we gotta at least. I'm probably gonna steal some of Davy's fame, so it, it's okay. Um, I think you, you know, have to I, uh, do a promotion and give away a bottle of Elementa to every American-based uh, listener, and then that yeah, now, might, that, now that Omid has taken uh, sponsorships, where's a. Uh, Where's Elementa on the... Tell you what we'll do. That's the fastest way to That's get... That's a good idea, man. I think this <laughs> this episode we'll is brought to you by Elementa. It sounds like nice, got a nice ring to it. Tell, tell you what we'll do is I'll, I'll talk to marketing and we'll see if we can't... Who So so for our American listeners, right? If if we can get them a year supply of mouthwash, which is really awesome, by the way. That is pretty awesome. So um, I'll talk to marketing about it and we'll see if we can't... Um, if you listen to this and... You know, you tag a friend, we'll, we'll figure something out and, and then we'll let Omid choose some, you know, someone randomly. Hopefully it's not Davey because um, I know he's going to be posting on there. But um, yeah, we'll do some promotion and, and I'm happy. I'm happy to uh, throw my throw some of my products out there. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. I think it'd be a nice way so. of that. And uh, Dave, you got some uh, extra carries detector dye lying around as well. We can uh, hey man, you got, some, bottles. <laughs> you 
you got some biomimetic dentistry that you can uh, give away. To, to if you, uh, you know, what you can do is prep some MOD composites, cure them, and then we'll just sell the pre <laughs> MODs for indirect bonding. Hey, David, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> come out. We're gonna come out with a special edition of mouthwash with your signature on it, and it's gonna be the only one that you ever sign or something like that. And it'll that be, would be like so cool. I would feel so almost famous again. I would there you go. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll get you back to the number one spot, buddy. Don't worry. We got well, you our, well, I don't want to. Sh- I'm still the number one. I don't want to. Oh, uh, yeah. So he doesn't want to want dethrone himself. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, well, dude, we gotta get we gotta get Davy's dad on here at some point. He's hilarious. He's that'd a, awesome. He's, yeah, that's that. that's the real genius, Ahmed. You need to get you need to get the get my father on there. Yeah, It'll, put us in touch, man. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to set that up. It'd be cool to pick his brain and and talk about the you know the origins of biomedical dentistry and how it's evolved over the years and things like that. It'd be cool to see his, uh, yeah, his experiences. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you his email and uh, he's listened to a couple of your podcasts and he's looking forward to meeting you at DIA. So you're okay, on his perfect. radar. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm upset. I thought the conference was Saturday, Sunday. So I was all excited. I was going to leave. Uh, oh, Coise, so I was going to leave Friday night, get there Saturday. And like, so I, I'm going to miss the Friday, but I'll be there on the Saturday and we'll, we'll catch up. I think I'm speaking. I want to say I'm speaking Saturday, but I don't know yet. I'm doing a breakout session. So um, Davey, when are you speaking? Do you know? I don't know. You don't Try know and yet. push for Saturday so I can come watch. <laughs> so I think uh, I just told them I'd be flexible. So yeah. there you go. And I, I don't think they've come out with the schedule yet, right? Right, right. No, I, I think some people have been finalized, but I I haven't seen a finalized schedule. Yeah. Um, I think with breakouts like you and me, we'll be yeah. Uh, they'll just kind of find a you know a good time based off of you know whatever. I told, I told our, our guys that we got a, so we did a sync last year. You guys missed out. It was a pretty dope sync, but I was telling, I was telling one of our guys, I'm like, dude, what if we do like a fountain or something that just has nano silver mouth rinse? Just something ridiculous. Yeah. Just something over the top, just so people can come by with their little cup. And it's like, Oh, what flavor is in the waterfall today? It's like, Oh, it's bubble gum. <laughs> you know, it's a bubble <laughs> gum many, waterfall. How many fountain. flavors do you have now? Uh, so I think we have eight mouthwash and then we have eight tooth gel, but only four are currently going to be available in the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, so, and we also have dental mints. So we're, we're working on, I want to say by the end of the year, we should have 53 different SKUs. Um, but yeah, so there's going to be eight different. So we wanted to expand our flavor profiles because we know people like Davey like the taste of candy. So we have a, a lollipop flavored one. I'm sure he's going to love it. It's probably going to remind him of all the candy that he eats at night before bed. You know, I overdose on nano silver particles. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, look, nano silver. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's funny because, so we did, we did toxicology profiles and this is where it kind of gets different than, than chlorhexidine and CPC and all these other things. So we did a cytotoxicity test um, and this will actually be published here pretty shortly. And um, we were able to determine that the nanosilver was non-toxic to mammalian cells at all the levels we tested it, which is in stark contrast to chlorhexidine, which killed everything and CPC, which kills everything. Um, and we also got a toxicology report, um, on our, on our rinse. So a certified toxicologist toxicology group looked at it, um, and analyzed it, did all the literature review and said, Hey, 
this is this is good. So there's no if you accidentally swallow it, even though we don't recommend swallowing it, um, you don't have to call a poison control center. The ingredients are all natural. Our nano silver is made with a plant based compound, which is what gives it the biocompatibility that it does. So we don't use any harsh chemicals. But um, we what, what is funny because everybody focuses on like the endpoint, which is great, which is the product. But so I'm the most be proud with my vegan lifestyle. That's right. Yeah. So I'm the, I'm the most proud of the engineering. There's no bone broth or anything in there. Oh, no. <laughs> I am not vegan. <laughs> I, I, I'm most proud of the two years of engineering that went into developing just the nano silver. Yeah. That is what people don't understand. That was the innovation that really got us over the hump. Um, because what people don't get is like, it's such a tricky compound. And so, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a, there's a lady in New Zealand and there's a, a couple other um, big players that have said, Oh, well, we came up with nano silver and it's great for, you know, preventing caries. And then you see no products. And the reason why you see no products is because nano silver is an extremely sensitive material. So that if you don't bio design it properly, it won't stay stable. So are you going to so, tell them how you bio designed it? I can't actually, I can't tell you the components. Well, how you made made the mistake where you accidentally like. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's overestimated the the amount of uh, compound and all this. Yeah. So it's funny because most soda and vinegar type. Most most, extent of my chemistry knowledge. Most innovations come from mistakes and I'm I'm not, I'm not uh, an exception. So there was, there was some, um, there was some play at certain ingredients and profiles and things I won't get into, but um, where we ended up changing the ratios drastically and ended up getting um, all of a sudden it worked result. Right. And so um, it's funny because um, like, like I was saying that if you, if you go online, you'll see all these people talking about nano silver and then you see five years later, no products. So the reason is, is because you actually have to engineer it with certain, um, certain kind of like encapsulations and those encapsulations really provide all that extra stability you need in order to put them in dental formulations with fluoride, xylitol, calcium, salts, all this different stuff. So um, it, that was the thing that I'm the most proud of, to be honest. Um, and that was your background uh, before you went to dental school was those uh, nanotech. Yeah. Carbon nanotubes is what I studied in, in college. Um, but we worked on a bunch of different things. And so, um, it's funny because the, the class that I was, I learned the most from, uh, they actually don't have it in the curriculum anymore, which is inorganic chemistry, which is the study of like metals and metallic, metallic uh, compounds and things like that. Um, but yeah, so being able to take that knowledge and apply it and, and make something that's going to work and has widespread application. It just makes me so happy. I mean, I, I, I know that that's probably like n- nobody cares, but it's just, you know, there's a reason why not everybody has, has these kind of products. It's because it's funny too. I'll have people reach out and they're like, Oh, I'd love to do research on your product. I tried reaching out to certain other people and they they're saying they're still in development. And it's like, there's a reason why it's still in development. You know, it's, it's a difficult problem to solve. Yeah. Um, that's super cool, man. I think that's, that's the beauty of the entrepreneurial side, the innovation and when it works, it works and it's like pretty exciting. So I'm excited to see how, where it goes for you. Um, any last minute things you guys want to chat about before we wrap up? No, I just thought this was a, was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Uh, glad that, that Ryan was the brainchild to, uh, make this meeting of the minds happen again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we didn't get into much of any debate. Um, you know, if we do show, it's a bit of a love fest. To be honest, I was, I was ready. Like, 
if I do, if I do get reinvited back to the show, should should I be so lucky, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had two appearances now. I mean, maybe Omid likes me, maybe he doesn't. Um, but I'm gonna tank his ratings. Just watch. Um, but no, if we do get back, I mean, there's there's certain things that you know we could obviously talk about. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think it'd be really good to to have Davy's dad on. He's a really cool guy. I could listen to the guy for hours, um, yeah. and he gives a probably a more widespread perspective than than us. But uh, yeah, no, I always, as always, man, I love your show. I've I've listened um, probably most, not all, but most of the episodes. Um, really enjoyed the discussion, and uh, yeah, glad that we didn't uh, get into any firefights, Davy. Uh, we'll keep it to the DMs. How about that? Well, it's hard to it's hard to, hard to fight one when, when you've come around to agree with me, and not, and you know I've come around to agree that your uh, your mouth rinse is the best on the market. So yeah, there you go. To be honest, but it's all good. Sorry, sorry, Omid. We we <laughs> promised. We promised, and then under delivered. I, I got to rename my working title now. <laughs> what was it? What was going to be the title? I don't know. Like the debate of the century. The, the great something. debate or something. Yeah. The great debate. Yeah. <laughs> It's more like the the, the great agreements or something. Yeah, I don't agreements. know. Bromance two point or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work with something out. Also, guys, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with you guys in uh, in December coming up in a few weeks. There, hopefully, um, I'll, hopefully you'll be speaking on the Sunday, so I can actually, on the Saturday, so I can actually come and see you guys speak a little bit as well. But looking forward to catching up afterwards, and and uh, hopefully uh, get together after the uh, conference as well. Awesome. Sure, looking looking yeah. forward to it, Omid. Hey, thanks, man. All right, see you, Ryan. See ya. Bye, Omid.